give to God by enjoying what he has given me, okay? I mean, do you really think he expects something back? Now, I know there's a lot of people at church that would not understand this line of reasoning. That's why, just to make things simple and not to cause any controversy, I like to carry what I call the little empty envelope, all right? You see, when the plate gets passed, I bloop, put it in there like that. The deacon's counting the money. They only know me as the crazy empty envelope guy, but the people sitting around me, clueless. <laughs> I win, they win, God wins. No one gets hurt because no one knows. God knows. Huh? I tithe. But just not like in the form of a 10% check per se. Let me tell you what I mean. When I go to church on a Sunday morning, they're selling donuts, I buy some. Boom, that's a tithe. When my whole Sunday school class wants donuts and I, out of the goodness of my heart, buy a whole bunch for the Sunday school class, boom, that's another tithe. But it's not about me spending money. It's about the smile on people's faces. That, my friends, is tithe enough for me. Case in point, the church was having date nights where we could take our spouse out for an evening, and they were charging $25 for childcare. Boom shakalaka tithe. I'll tell you what the biggest tithe was. When I spent over $100 on our meal, and my wife was grinning ear to ear, that, my friends, a tithe. I, I would like to give. I would, okay? But everything right now is just crazy. I mean, just crazy, you know? I mean, not normal crazy, really crazy, you know? And if after I paid my bills and took care of the things that I need and want, then I would, I would consider giving something. But not now is crazy. We're, we're, we're going to give later. We've already talked about it. I mean, down the road, we'll be crazy givers. But right now, it's just crazy. Yeah, I have money, that's a fact. But you know what, it's a hard thing between me and the Lord and the pastor because he needs to know what I'm giving now that we have this little building campaign going on, if you know what I'm saying. And pastor, I'd give a little bit more. I'd give a little something, something if you'd have that music minister sing a couple more hymns now and then, huh? Hey, what's this, watch this. Is that a Benjamin? I think it is. Benji likes hymns, come on. You want it? Ah, come on, pastor, do what I say, huh? Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> oh, in my life, Lord, be glorified in me. I put money in the plate. Wait, wait, wait. Look what I have here. I hope it doesn't interfere. But that everyone can hear how I give with cheer That everyone could be like me Good morning, Orchard Church. Turning your Bibles this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. It's on page 468. If you happen to be using one of the Bibles you may have picked up when you came in this morning. I got a question for all of you. Um, are you ready to hear what the Word of God says today? Say yes. yes. Are you ready to hear what it says about giving and tithing? Yes. That was a little less yes. <laughs> I expected that. Well, by now you figured out what this two-week micro-series, Multiply, is all about. Uh, this is a series where God is going to cause us to step outside of the box, our normal thinking, what can sometimes be our shallow faith, where we place all of our faith and our trust in Him, and we begin to expect the unexpected. Now, I know how this works. I've been in full-time ministry for 20 years, and when you start talking about money, people get funny. And they get nervous. You get nervous. I get nervous. I learned this again yesterday morning because my 14-year-old daughter, Caitlin, asked me, she goes, Daddy, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I said, well, we're talking about money and giving. And she goes, oh. So maybe you guys feel that way this morning. So can we all just get that out of the way right now? Everybody just go, oh. It's going to be okay. 
It's going to be okay. And, and, and listen, I know we have guests here today. We have guests every week at the Orchard Church, and we're thrilled that you're here. And I want to just let you know right now, this is the first time in two years that I've taken two weeks to speak on this subject. So if you walked in as guests and go, oh, this is probably what they talk about every week. You can ask people around you. It's not. It's been two years since I've spoken on this subject. It took two weeks to do this. But I think it's time to do it again. I want to just kind of begin by sharing my heart with you guys about this very important subject because it is very dear to my heart and I think God can do some amazing incredible things in our life when we understand the teaching we're going to look at this week and next week you know for the first four years after we planted the Orchard Church, I made a lot of assumptions about giving and tithing. I assumed that you guys kind of had heard that before, you kind of had grown up in church, and you maybe you went to one of those talked about it like every week or every other week, and so I kind of avoided the subject for about four years. I said very little to nothing about it. It didn't take a week or two to talk about it, and, uh, but then people began to ask questions. You know, it would come up in discipleship and small groups, and people would ask in our membership class, you know, what do you believe about giving and tithing, and so people started to ask questions, and I realized I was making some pretty dumb assumptions, and there were a lot of people that wanted to know what the Bible has to say about this. Biblically, what does the Bible say? Not what does man say, but what does God say? And so I really began to, to get convicted that if I don't teach you guys what the scriptures say about this important subject, just as I do other subjects, I'm robbing you guys of a blessing. I'm robbing you of the blessings when you're faithful and obedient in this area of your life. And I certainly don't want to do that. The blessing of giving and multiplication. And I don't want to say this loud and clear. This is my heart for the next two weeks concerning this subject. This is not about what we want from you. This is about what God wants for you. Did you all catch that? This is not about what we want from you. This is about what God wants for you. I want to let you guys know I am so thrilled, praise God, to tell you I'm not doing these messages because the Orchard Church is short on its budget or we don't have very much in the bank. Those of you that came to our financial meeting in January, we've got plenty of money in the bank. We have never one month missed budget at the Orchard Church. God has blessed this church tremendously. In the area of finance. So I'm not bringing you this message because, you know, all oh, things are running tight and, you know, we're going to have to lay people off. No, we, we have been incredibly blessed and taken care of by the Lord. And you know what? Whether you give or not, God's going to take care of us. He doesn't need your money. <laughs> he owns it all. Let's not forget that. And this is his church. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's the Lord's church. And he's going to take care of it. So I'm not doing this out of a need basis. We're not starting some building campaign, you know, or anything. We don't even own land or anything like that. It's just because I want you to understand what the scriptures say and what God can do to grow and stretch your faith in this area. You, this may surprise you, but there are over 2,300 scriptures in the Bible that talk about money and giving and finances. Jesus talked more about money and finances than he did heaven and hell put together. We certainly want to be like Jesus, amen? So this is an important subject that, that goes right to our heart. And the scriptures tells us where our, our treasure is, there our heart is also. And this is a faith issue. This is a heart issue. And the truth is but that talking about money makes both you and I nervous. It just does. So let's just get that kind of on the table right now. And one of the reasons is because it's been such an abused subject by many pastors, unfortunately, and by many churches. And so this is a subject I love to talk about and I hate to talk about. At the same time, I love to talk about it because I love how it stretches people's faith and grows people's faith and it allows God to do things that are supernatural in their life and, and to experience God's blessings and see God do the unexpected and amazing things. Let's not forget one of our favorite verses we all probably can quote, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he, that he what? He gave. God loves this subject because God is a giver. And we are giving back to the one who first gave it all to us. So I love to talk about this subject for those reasons. But I hate to talk about this subject because the way it has been used to manipulate and mislead people. And we don't want to do that. Especially when it comes to the subject today of sowing and reaping. I mean, we've all seen the televangelist, you know, gets on TV. He's got the funny hair, pimped out suit, Rolex watch. If you sow that $1,000 seed, you know, God's going to give you a mansion. And he's going to give you a Mercedes and all that kind of stuff. And we all want to go, ah. Right? And so that's why I hate to talk about this subject because so many people have misused it and mistaught it. But the truth is, there is a biblical principle of sowing and reaping. 
It is a biblical truth. And so we can't avoid it just because some people have misused it. So today with integrity and without manipulation today and next week, I want us to talk about this subject of giving and money as we begin this series, Multiply, talking today about sowing and reaping. We're going to get to our main text in just a moment, so hold your place there. But in your notes, I want to give you uh, the main principle. Do not miss this today. I think when you go out of here, you'll have this memorized. Here's the main principle I want you to understand today. What you keep is all you have. But what you give, God multiplies. Put that in your notes. What you keep is all you have. But what you give back to God, He is able to multiply. Let's say that together. What you keep is all you have. What you give... God multiplies. I want you to get that truth this morning. You know, that's a principle in nature. If you've got a bag of seeds and you just choose to keep those seeds, that's, that's what you have. But if you want them to grow and multiply, what do you have to do? You have to plant them. You have to give them away. Jesus said it this way. Don't take my words, take Jesus' words. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. He said, what's the first word? Give, and it will be given to who? To you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. I love saying that word, bosom. I can say it in church because it's in the Bible. It means your lap. He's going to put it in your lap. For with the same measure amount that you use or you give, it will be measured back to who? Back to you. Jesus, what is he saying here? He's saying that he will multiply what you give. God will multiply it. When you give, you plant it, it will grow and multiply, and God will bring it back to you. Now, what's, we can understand that principle in nature. We understand what God is saying here. But what is this good measure, pressed down, shaken together stuff? You know, what's that all about? Well, let me illustrate this way. Jesus was speaking to an agrarian society. They made their living off the land. They would plant, they would grow, and that's how they would feed their family, or they would sell it to other families, and that was their, their way of living. And so they would take baskets like this, probably not like this. This is the best I could come up with. It's a laundry basket. Okay, let's just get that over with right now. But they'd take these baskets, and when it was harvest time, they would hire day laborers to go out and to collect the harvest. And so they would put the seed in there, and then they would carry it, you know, to, to a bin where they would store it. Now, if you were a day laborer, you know, you were going to be doing this all day long, probably in the hot sun. So probably the day laborers, you know, they would fill it like half full, maybe three quarters, because they had to carry it a long way. And, you know, they didn't want to just, you know, wear themselves out. So that's what they would do all day long. The very generous owners of the field would allow the day laborers to pay them. At the end of the day, they'd say, okay, now take, a, take the basket you've been using all day. Now you go fill it for yourself, and whatever you put in that basket, that's what you get to take home for your family. That's what I'm giving you. Now how do you think they filled that basket? It wasn't half full. It wasn't three quarters. It was to the top. They would shake it. You know, they would press it down. It would be running over because that's what they would get to carry home. Does everybody get that? Say yes. That's how Jesus says he wants to give back to those who give to him. What you keep is all you have, but what you give, God multiplies. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, God multiplies it. That's exactly what he's talking about. In case you didn't get the basket illustration, how many of y'all ever go to 7-Eleven and get you a Slurpee? All right? You do this pressed down, shaken together, running over every time you get a Slurpee. Or an icy. You fill that thing up and there's always some air in there. You, you tap it down. You fill it up a little bit more. And now they got the nice little dome cups with the hole in the top. You fill that up and it's squirting out the top. So you lick that off and you know, surf a little bit. You look around, make sure nobody's looking. You fill up a little bit more. I know what you guys do. That's called pressed. That's called, you know, pressed down, shaking together, running over. And that's how God wants to give back. Listen. To generous givers. What you keep is all you have. But what you give back to God, what does he do, church? He multiplies it. Let me, let me give you these principles of sowing and reaping, and then we're going to dive into our passage for a minute this morning. Two things. Get it in your notes this way. Number one, the principles of sowing and reaping. Number one, you reap what you sow. I'm sure many of you have heard that. If you've ever been in church for very long, you've heard that. We talked about it a few weeks ago in our Esther study. It comes from Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived, God says. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, whatever he plants, that's what he will also what? He'll reap. 
And I understand the context here is, is uh, sowing righteousness, reaping righteousness, sowing unrighteousness, reaping unrighteousness. But it's a righteous thing to give back to God because there's 2,300 scriptures about this subject and how important it is. We reap what we sow. If you sow corn, if you plant corn, you're not going to get spinach. You're going to get corn. If you plant an apple seed, you're not going to get an orange or an orange tree. You're going to get an apple. If you smile at somebody, it's more likely that they're going to smile back at you. If you're forgiving toward people, it's more likely they're going to be more forgiving toward you. Men, if you are loving and respectful and kind towards your wife... It's more likely she's going to be loving and respectful and kind toward you. If you're a jerk and you give her a hard time all the time, she's going to multiply that and she's going to give you back H-E double hockey sticks. Can I get an amen? Yeah. <laughs> this is just how this principle works. What you keep is all you have, but what you give God he multiplies, which leads us to the second principle of sowing and reaping. Not only do you reap what you sow, but you reap, I love this, more than you sow. You reap more than you sow. Jesus said in Matthew 19, 29, And everyone who has left houses and brothers or sisters, father or mother or wife or children or lands, whatever you have given up to give to the Lord for my name's sake, Jesus says, he'll receive what? A hundredfold in return. A hundred times, and the real added bonus, inherit eternal life because of our faith in Christ. See, whatever you give up for Christ, Jesus says, you'll receive far more in return than what you've given up for Him. If you've ever experienced that in your life, say yes. He multiplies what we give to him. There's a whole story about this that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 13. We're not going to go, have time to go there. You read it later. But Jesus talks about this very example of reaping and sowing. He talks about a farmer who goes out and they sow seed and they're beginning to plant. And he says, and for some of the farmers, it returns 30 times. Some of them 60 times and some of them 100 times when it falls on really good ground. Because you not only reap what you sow, but you reap more than you sow. We understand this in nature. If you plant an apple seed, a little apple's not going to sprout out of the ground. What are you going to get? You're going to get an apple tree that has many apples on the tree. You plant some, enough of those seeds and you get an apple orchard, like the orchard church. It multiplies. It multiplies. Just recently, God illustrated this truth in Shelly and I's life, and it was really cool. And as I was studying for this, God brought this to, to my memory. When we, six years ago, left um, everything and came to Denver to plant the Orchard Church, not knowing anybody, not knowing where we were going to meet, where these people were going to come from that come to our church, any of that, there was a, a girl in our ministry. We were down in Pueblo for a couple of years getting ready to come to Denver, and it was two years too long. I'll just tell you that much. If you've ever lived in Pueblo, sorry if you like Pueblo. I was ready to get to Denver. I'm a big city guy. And so there was this girl in our ministry there. She was a single girl. She was still living at home. She graduated from high school. She, she just really didn't know for sure what she was going to do with her life. She just knew she wanted to serve God. And so she wanted to come with us to help us plant this church. My wife had discipled her and helped her grow in her faith. And, but the big problem that was holding her back was she was still living at home at the time. And she was able to use her parents' vehicle. She said, if I come to Denver, I don't have a vehicle. I don't own a vehicle of my own, but I'd love to come. I'd love to help you guys plant the church. Shelly and I had worked very, very hard to apply biblical principles for, you know, 15 years at that point of our marriage. And we were able to get completely debt-free except for our house. That's what, how God helped allow us to plant the Orchard Church. We even had, you know, three to six months of savings like you're supposed to. Like Dave Ramsey says, we followed that principle. And God laid on our heart to buy her a car. He said, buy her a car. So she can come and she can be part of this ministry. And so we said, you know what? We can do that. Let's do it. And so we went and we bought her a car. It wasn't anything fancy, but it ran. It drove. She was, we got her like a 20-year-old Honda Prelude. You know, and, it, and she loved it. She thought it was the cutest thing in the world. And, and, and she, we bought her that car and she was able to move here and join us in the beginning of planting the Orchard Church. What's really cool, uh, this is kind of a, a side of this story. She ended up marrying a guy in our church here. They then went and they're right now one of the lead people over at the Orchard Church of Erie helping plant their second church. Church. Is that cool or what? 
But I didn't, you know, I didn't really think anything about that other than we were just so happy and thrilled to be able to buy. I mean, I never dreamed in my life I'd ever be able to buy somebody a car. I was always hoping somebody would buy me a car. But we did. And then, you know, we did it. It was, it was cool. And, you know, I never, we never really thought anything more about it other than we did what God asked us to do. About three months ago, my mother, who's 82 years old, I had to go help her buy a new car. And she had a, an older car. It was a Toyota Avalon, about 150,000 miles. But if you know anything about Toyota Avalons with 150,000 miles, I mean, that thing could go another 150. We helped her buy a new car, and she said, I want to give you guys my old Toyota Avalon to Caleb because Caleb's going to start driving next month. He gets his license. Please pray for us. He's had his permit. No, he's, he's really doing a great job. He's really a good driver. He really is. And so she gave us that Toyota Avalon to give to Caleb. And I was going to have to buy him something. Now, he wasn't going to get a Toyota Avalon. I can tell you that right now. But, and it was, it's probably worth four or $5,000, about five times what we paid for the car we gave to somebody else six years ago. That's how God works sometimes. He, he multiplies. And, you know, I, I just, as I was studying for this, I put two and two together, and I was like, wow, there was that principle God showed us in our life. Now, listen, don't get the wrong idea. Some of y'all are going right now, hey, honey, if we give our car away, God's going to give us a Lexus. Let's just go ahead and do that. That's not what I'm saying, okay? But I am saying what the Bible says. You reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow. And what you keep is all you have, but what you give to God, He multiplies. Now let's unpack this a little further, verse by verse, through 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. And let's see what Paul has to say about this thing of giving and multiplication. And I want us to see three truths for the remainder of our time this morning about giving that I pray will transform your life as it has mine and Shelley's, as we've followed these principles for 20 years of our marriage. Number one, here's the principle, the first truth. Your heart matters when you give. Your heart matters. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap. How? Sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap. How? Bountifully. I mean, this is just a principle. If you keep back a lot, don't expect a lot in return. You know, we all want God to bless us. We all want God to take care of us, especially when it comes to finances. And some people, sometimes I hear them complain about how God never blesses them financially, never saves them money, never gives them a raise. I start talking to them about their giving. Oh, well, I, you know, I do the best I can. I, I throw a five or a 20 in the plate every once in a while. You listen, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap how? Sparingly. And a lot of people are not blessed because they're not blessable. You, you can't expect to reap a bunch more than you sow. Look at verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his what? Heart. This is a heart issue how we give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Your heart matters when you give. God says, I want you to be a cheerful giver. I want you to give till you love it. If you don't love giving, give and give and give and you'll begin to love it. Because you'll see what God will do in your life. He loves a cheerful giver who gives with the right heart. Listen, I'll just say this right now. If you're not going to give with the right heart or you're giving just to get, don't give. Because God's not going to bless it anyway. But give with the right reason. Cheerful. This word cheerful in the Greek is, it comes from our word hilarious. And a hilarious giver. I mean, you're, you, when the plate comes by, you're like, yeah! I'm so happy to give back to God who's given everything to me. And has blessed me, and I'm going to watch as God multiplies this back to me. I mean, we gave that car to Megan. It was a thrill. I mean, we just, Shelly and I were just grinning from ear to ear. I think we had more fun than she did to be able to go, we gave somebody a car. That was so cool. You know, it reminds me of a, a story of a mom who was trying to teach her little girl about giving. And so as the little girl was going to church that day, the mom gave the little girl a, a $1 bill, and a $5 bill. She said, I'm going to give both of these to you. And she says, now, when the offering plate comes by, I want you to give one of these to God. And I'm going to let you decide. So the time for the offering came and the plate came by. And the little girl kind of stopped. And she had the one in one hand and the five in the other. And she looked at them. And she was kind of going back and forth. She just couldn't decide. So finally, she folded up the five, put it in her pocket. And she put the $1 bill in the offering plate. 
And the mom afterwards said, well, I'm really glad to see that you gave something to God. She said, that, I really appreciate that. I'm trying to teach you giving, but I'm just curious. Why did you choose to give the $1 bill instead of the $5 bill? She said, well, mommy, the pastor that day was talking about giving and said, God loves a cheerful giver. I knew I'd be much happier giving the one than the five. <laughs> now, we laugh at that. But you know what's not funny? That's how a lot of people feel. And that's how a lot of people give. They think they'll be happier if they keep more for themselves and give less to God. And the reason is because they just don't understand the biblical principle of giving. The principle that what you keep is all you have. But what you give to God, He can multiply. Shelly and I will be married 20 years uh, this coming Christmas, at the end of this year. 20 years. Yeah, thank you. Yes, clap for Shelly. Yes, yes. That she's put up with me that long. Shelly and I both were, are so grateful and so blessed that we both were able to grow up in Christian homes. And both of us pretty much were in church from the womb. And uh, we were taught by our parents, both of us, and through our church, the biblical, biblical principles of giving back to God, giving a tithe to God, 10% at least to God. And we were taught to give above that, to give to missions, uh, to help spread the gospel around the world, and to, to give to people in need uh, you know, around us as, as God gives us an opportunity and, and lays on our heart. I will tell you guys, when I was first in ministry, I was a student pastor for the first six years. The first two years, Shelley and I were married. We were at poverty level of what we made. I mean, when you're, you know, when you're student director, you're kind of like, you know, bottom of the totem pole, and, and especially in the churches that we kind of grew up in. And I'm not kidding. I mean, you, if I told you guys how much we made, you would be like, how did you live? Honestly, I don't know, other than God. That, and thankfully, both of our parents were in town, and we would go over and eat at their house a lot. They thought we wanted to spend time with them. We were just hungry. <laughs> and we were grateful for the meals. But you know what? From day one of our marriage, and praise God, we've never, ever missed an opportunity. We tithed at least 10%. Then we always gave to mission something. Started out, you know, $10 a month, then $25 a month, then $100 a month, then $200 a month to missions over and above our 10% tithe. And now we give much more than that. We, we made it a goal in our marriage. We wanted to be not tithers. We wanted to be twithers. You know what twithers are? You give 20%. Last year... We added everything up. We got our statement like you guys, what we gave back to the Orchard Church and our tithes and, and giving. And I'm saying this, listen, not to brag, but to brag on God. Last year, we, we hit right at that 20% mark by the time all of our tithes, our missions, our feeding center, friends that we had helped. It was so cool because Shelly and I looked at it and I said, do you realize, look at this number. What we gave last year to the Orchard Church back to God, was more than we made the first two years of our marriage. Is that cool or what? That's how God has blessed us and taught us this principle of multiplication. And you know what? We just laughed. We just laughed. You know, how fun was it, church, when those of you that gave, so many of you faithfully, to, to fill those shoeboxes that we sent to Haiti to help, help children, and we were able to bring that video back and, and show those kids' faces of all those kids. I think we got a picture of our kids in, in Haiti. We have that there. These are all of our kids. These are our kids, y'all, that we support as a church every month to go to school. We feed them two meals a day because of all of you that give to the feeding center. And what, man, wasn't it a joy and a blessing? And didn't it put a smile on your face when you saw that video and knew you had a part in that? You gave. But you want to know something really cool that I found out just this last week? Chuck Ward, our missionary to Haiti, he called me and he said, you're not going to believe this. He said, we, we got the other $10,000 for the roof, those of you that gave to the roof. He said, they've already started the work on the roof. And because of the new roof, they are now, they were wanting to start an orphanage because they have room to start an orphanage there. And there's a family that came forward in the States, a doctor who said, I'm going to fully fund the orphanage. But that orphanage wouldn't have been made possible if we wouldn't have given toward the roof. That's God multiplying our giving. Your heart matters when you give. Number two, you cannot outgive God. How many of you guys have heard that before? Now, I know some of you all think that that's a statement some pastor made up to get people to give. You can't outgive God. No, that's 
from the Bible. Look at verse 8, our next verse. And God is able to make, how much grace? All grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all good things, may have an abundance for every good work. God's saying, listen, you can't outgive me. I will take care of you. I will provide for you. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. God has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he, God, who supplies seed to the sower. We're the sower, but who supplies the seed? He does. And bread for food, supply, and what's the next word? Multiply the seed you have sown and increase, increase the fruits of your righteousness. You know what this verse is saying? What you keep is all you have. But what you give back to God, He is able to multiply. You cannot outgive God. He will provide for you. He will take care of you. Verse 10 in the first part of the verse, it says that He's the one that supplies all of your need. We're supposed to sow seed, give back to God. It's called seed. But who gives us the seed, church? God's the one that gave us the seed to give back to Him. It's already His. Listen, when you understand that principle, it's easy to give back to God. When you understand everything you've been given, He gave you in the first place. Really, it's a pretty good deal. The small amount He asks us to give back to Him when He gave it all to us in the first place, and the Bible says He owns it all. James 1.16 says this, Do not be deceived. Do not think that what you have, you, you got it your, yourself. My beloved brethren, every good gift, every perfect gift is from where? It's from above. And it comes down from the Father. Listen, if you have talents, God gave you those talents. If you have a job, God gave you that job. God gave you your skills. God gave you your abilities. God gave you your marriage. God gave you your kids. God gave you your house. God gave you your car. It all comes from Him. That's what we have to understand. And when we give to God, we are simply acknowledging the one who gave it all to us in the first place. And the more we give back to God, the more he gives back to us. So you know, so we can do what with it? Just enjoy it? That's part of it. But so we can give more back to him. R.G. Letourneau um, was a guy who held 300 patents for earth-moving equipment. He's got a college in his name. He was a multi-millionaire. Many of the earth-moving equipment you see today, he owns the patents for. He was, he was a million, maybe even a billionaire. And he was a Christian, and he was known to be a very generous giver back to God through his local church. And this is what he said, I shovel money out, God shovels it back, but God has a bigger shovel. I like that. You can't outgive God. The second part of verse 10 says, when you give, he increases... What? Your wealth? Your possessions? No. He increases the fruits of your righteousness. That's what he increases. Sometimes it includes financial gifts and sometimes it includes other things. He increases the fruits of our righteousness. You know what the word righteous means? Think of it this way. Righteous means right with God. You become more like God when you give because God is a giver and you are rarely more like God than when you give because he's a giver. You cannot outgive. God. You cannot outgive Him. What you keep is all you have. But what you give back to God, He multiplies. Your heart matters when you give. You cannot outgive God. And number three, here's what happens when you give. People will thank God because of what you give. Others will thank God for what you've given. Look at verse 11. While you are enriched in, what's the next verse, church? Everything, not some things, not most things. When you give back to God, you are enriched in everything for all liberality or generosity which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Don't miss that. You're enriched. When you give back to God, as he's asked you to do, when you're faithful and obedient in that area of your life, you're enriched in everything. Listen, don't limit the blessings of God to money. Don't do that. Don't dare do that. God will bless you in everything. I believe that means your marriage, your family, your kids. Your, he gives you things like peace and joy that money can't buy. I know people that have all the money in the world, but they don't have any peace. They don't have any joy. They don't have any comfort. He blesses you in everything. This is not a give to God and you get rich message. Please do not hear it, that that's what we're talking about. He gives to us so we can what? Blow it on ourselves? 
kick back and take life easy? No. What does he say here? He gives it to us all so we can be liberal with it. You know what that means? We can give it back. He gives so we can give more. We can help more people. We can give more to God. We can give more to missions. We can help feeding centers. We can put roofs on buildings in Haiti. We, we can help supply the needs for the Orchard Church to reach this community. He gives back to us so we can be more generous. And then what happens? He says, thanksgiving through us to God takes place. People thank God for our giving. Every time I talk to one of our missionaries that we support, we support several missionaries they just thank God for the Orchard Church. They said, you're one of our best giving churches. We never worry every month that our support's going to be there. You're one of our, 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 you are our most faithful giving church. You are the biggest giving church for many of them. Our, our Haiti Feeding Center, our orphanage now, the, the Philip, our missionary in the Philippines, Colombia, Mexico. We support the Denver Rescue Mission as a church. We support Life Choices Pregnancy Center uh, there in Thornton. And every time I talk to them, they say, there are people around this world that want to thank you. Thank you for your giving to carry on the work of the ministry around the world. One of our missionaries, uh, Luke and Kelly Lines of the Philippines, I just got a call this week. They're going to be with us in a couple of weeks. They got a video they want to show us of our second feeding center that just opened in the Philippines. Won't that be fun? And they want to thank us. I know I talk to Nick all the time. Nick is the pastor at the Orchard Church of Erie. We started a year ago. I'm, I'm thrilled to tell you guys, for one year, we were able to continue to fully support Nick and his family to plant the Orchard Church. We didn't just send 100 bucks. We, we supported him fully for a year, and we're continuing to support him uh, right now for the Orchard Church to be started. 30 people have accepted Christ in the last year at the Orchard Church. 13 have been baptized. They're running about 85 to 90 people. And they, and, and they thank, those are people over there, you, some of you haven't even met, that thank God for the Orchard Church here in Brighton because of your giving. And then right here in our community, I mean this community, I shared with you guys a couple of weeks ago, in 2011, we had over 100 people accept Christ, over 115 people baptized, people being discipled. That's, listen, that is not possible without the faithfulness of so many of you who give. As when God gives to you, you give back to Him. And he blesses you and people's lives, listen, are being changed because of it. Just yesterday, I had to share this story with you guys. I told you last week to pray for the Patterson family. Angie Patterson went home to be with the Lord at 38 years of age. She'd been battling brain cancer. Angie and her family, they're all here this morning, right here. And at her service yesterday, I was able to share her testimony. We were in a small church over in Wheat Ridge. The place was standing room only. There were probably 300 plus people. There were students because they have teenagers. Um, half, about half the football team from Prairie View High School was at this service. Many of the teachers were there. Coaches were there. Family, friends from all of our community right around here. I mean, this place was packed out. And I was able to get up and tell them that the first Sunday that Angie and her family showed up at the Orchard Church, August 7, 2011, the first Sunday she heard the gospel, she accepted Jesus Christ, her Lord and Savior. Two weeks later, on September 11th, she was baptized. A couple of months later, all three of her children accepted Christ, and they were baptized. Her husband had been accepted Christ and baptized earlier in life. The whole family in the last eight months came to Christ. I was able to share with them at that service. We know where she's at. And I, I absolutely praise God for that. But you want to hear the cool part? I gave a gospel presentation. You all know me. I'm not going to ever miss an opportunity to do that. And it was easy because of her life and her testimony. At the end of that service, over 40 people raised their hand to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. Listen, y'all, I, I, want, I want those of you who faithfully give to the Orchard Church to understand every one of you had a part in that. Because if it weren't for your faithful giving, this church would not exist. I mean, we have to pay to rent this school. We have to pay for our ministry center. I mean, you know, we have to buy insurance. I mean, the, it, there's costs involved. There's staff to take care of. But every time God blesses in those ways and lives are changed, you have a part in it and people thank God for your giving. I've told you before, in the six years of this church, we've had over 500 people accept Christ and be baptized. Listen, we are really living in the harvest of what God has done here at the Orchard Church. And it would be easy for us to just now kind of kick back and enjoy, 
But I don't believe God has blessed our church and given so much to our church so we can kick back and enjoy. I believe he's given it to us so we can keep going. Amen? So we can keep going. Because we're in a community where 90% of the people do not go to church and still need Christ. And there's a lot of work to be done. Listen, in, in the, the fall of 2005, Shelly and I and our family stepped out on complete faith. We had no idea how this church was going to work. We had no idea how we were going to live, how, how, how we were going to be able to provide for our family. But we believed in faith. God was going to do it. God has blessed us beyond what I could have ever imagined our church, our family. It would be easy for us to kick back now and just enjoy the harvest and just kind of coast things out. Listen, God is my witness as your pastor. I'm telling you this morning, we are still all in. We are still all in. We're not going to kick back. We're not going to relax. We're not going to coast. That's one reason why this year for Easter, we're not having two services. We're having three. <laughs> we're having three. Because we had over 1,200 last year. We can't squeeze everybody in here, so we're going to have, have three. Because we have a community that needs Christ. God has blessed the Orchard Church so we can continue to be a blessing and make a difference in this community. Listen, and people will thank God. People are thanking God. I know the Patterson family over and over has thanked God for this church. And it's been our privilege to be a part of ministering to their family. People will thank God because of what you've given. Because what you keep is all you have, but what you give, God multiplies. Now listen, I want to close with some real practical questions. I'm going to go into more detail biblically with these next week. But I want, to, I want to hit these real quick to help you this morning because these are questions we get asked all the time when it comes to giving. And I want to hit them this week but go into more detail next week. Number one is this. Does the Bible teach a specific amount to start giving to God? And that's a very fair question. Is there a specific amount? Well, the logical place to start is where God started. And this is one of many verses in the scriptures. But Leviticus 27.30 says this. And all the, what's the next word, church? tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree or however God blesses you, is whose? You see, if you, if you can grasp that biblical concept, it's not even ours. It's the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. The first 10% of our income, it really doesn't even belong to us. It's the Lord's. That's why the Bible says we don't give our tithe, we bring our tithe. We bring it back to the one it belongs to. If you could just grasp that tithing really is pretty simple. It's a tithe. That's not something some pastor came up with. It's something God came up with. The word tithe, now people hear that word tithe and many times they interpret it as give. They interpret it as tip. A lot of, a lot of tippers, not a lot of tithers. The word tithe is simply a mathematical term in the Bible. And it simply means, what does it mean, church? You know, 10%. It's, it's, it's not a specific amount because God levels the playing field. People make different things. So it's equal for everybody. It's 10%. That's what the Bible teaches, the tithe. It doesn't mean give. It doesn't mean tip. It doesn't mean 5%. It doesn't mean 15%. It means 10%. That's what the word tithe means. And God provides the beginning place for giving as 10% of one's income. We'll talk a little more in detail about that next week. Now, the Bible also talks about an offering. An offering is called many times in the Bible a free will offering. That is what you give over and above the free will as God lays on your heart. And, and, and that's something different. That's over and above. That's voluntary. But the tithe, listen, in the Bible was always mandatory. I love the way one commentator said it. Tithing isn't the ceiling of giving. It's the floor. It's not the finish line. It's the starting blocks. Does the Bible teach a specific amount to start giving? God provides the beginning place of giving as 10% of someone's income. Number two, where should the tithe be given? Some people say it's the church. Some people say, well, you can give it to a friend and call that a tithe. Some people say you can give it to a missionary. You can give it to, you know, a World Vision or Samaritan's Purse or whatever. And those are all great organizations. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says about the tithe. I'm not talking about offerings. We're talking about the tithe. Are you with me? Say yes. That first 10%. Malachi 3.10. We're going to go into this again next week. Bring, there's that word, bring all the what? Tithes into where? The storehouse that there may be food in my house. Whose house? God's house. 
Now, this is an Old Testament scripture that was talking about the temple. That's where the storehouse was. There were storehouses where they would store the tithe in the temple. The temple was the center of God's people's activity in the Old Testament. It was the place of worship. Let me just simply ask you, where is the center of God's activity today? Where is the place of worship where God's people gather today? Where is God's house that we call it today? It's the church. It's the local New Testament church that you attend. I like the way, now listen, that's easy for me to say because I'm a pastor and y'all go, oh, how convenient that you're a pastor and you're saying that. So don't take a pastor's word for it, take Dave Ramsey's word for it. Dave Ramsey, not a pastor, says this over and over in his studies. The local New Testament church is the equivalent of the Old Testament storehouse for that first 10%. So the tithe, the scripture says, should come to God's house, to the church. Now the offering is free will. You can give it through the church to missions and other things, or you can choose to give it to friends to help them and all that. That's the offering, but that's over and above the tithe. So where should the tithe be given? To the local New Testament church. Number three, should I tithe on the net or the gross income? Get that question asked a lot. These are just common questions we get asked all the time. You know, I remember when I was first in ministry and somebody asked me that. I think it was one of my teenagers. And I'm like, oh, that's a good question. So I went to the person I always go to to answer my biblical questions I can't answer, my father-in-law. And I said, hey, I got this question. And, you know, he just simplified it for me. And I've never forgot it. He says, well, here's the deal. Do you want a net blessing or a gross blessing? (laughs) That made sense to me. We've, we have always given on the gross, but you know what? That's biblical. Proverbs 3.9 says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, not your second, not your leftover. We're going to go into that more next week in a message. Uh, listen, I'm going to bring a message. I guarantee you've never heard it taught like this about tithing. And I know some of you have heard lots of messages on giving and pl- y'all listen, we, we, we kind of had to sneak this one in on you because I know how it works. Oh, they're talking about giving. Let's go on vacation this week. Please come back next week. Don't miss the blessing of what God wants to do in your life about this, whether you give or not. You need to hear the biblical truth. We give of the first fruits. Listen, does Uncle Sam take of the first fruits? Yep. Isn't God more important than Uncle Sam? He deserves the first fruits, the gross. The tithe should be given on the gross income, not the net. We'll give more details next week. My message next week is called God Must Be First. You don't want to miss it. Let me say it again, church. This message is not about what we want from you. It's about what we want for you. As you understand these truths and you apply them to your life. Let me read a little bit more as we close. of Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. This is God speaking saying this. Now watch this. We're about to read something in the Bible that nowhere else in the Bible have I ever seen God say this. God says, tithe. Give 10% of your gross income through your local church and try me now in this. This is God speaking. Test me. Try me, says the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. You know what God is saying? What you keep is all you have, but what you give to me, I'm able to multiply. And it's the only place in the Bible that I'm aware of where God says, test me, try me, just watch and see what I will do. We did this two years ago, and we're going to give you an opportunity to do it again. We had, I was hoping, praying for about 20 people to take this challenge. We had 84 people, and we were flooded with testimonies how God blessed people as people tested and tried God in this area of tithing and giving. It's called the 90-Day Tithe Challenge. I want you guys to take out your newsletters real quick. Inside your newsletter, there on that tear-off portion, you'll see a box. One of them has our feeding center giving, and right above it, there's a little box that says 90-Day Tithe Challenge. Everybody found it? Everybody see it? Once you see it, raise your hand. Okay, cool. So I know we're on the right track. Here's the deal. We're going to challenge you to take God at His Word and test Him for 90 days to give 10% of your gross income to the Lord through the local church. I know some of you are already doing this. Maybe God's going to say, try me by adding an extra percent. That's how Shelly and I worked our way up to 20%. Every year we tried to just give another percent, another percent, another percent to God. I want you to take this challenge, if God lays it on your heart, I want you to check that box On the other side, I simply want you to write your name and your email address. And here's why. It's not so we can check up on you and go, wait, where's it at? This is between you and God. Here's why. This is the the beautiful part about the 90-Day Tide Challenge. 
I want your emails. I'm going to send you a letter thanking you for signing up. I'm going to provide this book for you. I'm going to give it to you. It's called The Treasure Principle. It's a great little book that will help you, encourage you to stretch your faithfulness and giving. Listen, it's like 40 pages. It's, you see, this is my kind of book. I'm just saying right now. Okay? I'm going to give you this book. You sign up. Give me your email. But here's the best part. I will send you a welcome letter. You'll have my email. All right? As God begins to bless you, I want to hear about it. I want you to email me your stories. Last time, almost every other day, I was opening up my email with a story. Somebody started tithing, and God did something miraculous in their life. And then I'm going to take that blessing. I'll take your name off of it. And I'm going to send it out to everybody who's taking the 90-day tithe challenge. And we're all going to be sharing in these blessings of what God's going to do. Now, here's the best part. I have so much faith in God and His Word and what He says. I'm going to help you a little bit. If at any point in that 90 days, you don't believe that God is being true to his word and blessing you, you just let me know. I'll give every dime back. We've got a record. We'll keep it. Make sure you use an envelope. We'll give every penny back if you don't believe God has blessed you. But I know he will. You, you guys see these every week in your newsletter. There's, there's an envelope, a giving envelope. We put them in there. You can give through that. You can take it home. You can give, send it back. It's self-addressed. It's already postage paid. Um, we provide ways to give uh, online at our website. You can give um, through credit card only if you pay your card off every month. And you're just doing it to get miles and that kind of thing. Shelly and I do that as well. We have our giving automated on our credit card. It happens every month. I don't have to, I don't have to wor ever worry about missing an opportunity to be faithful in giving. I'd encourage some of you to automate it. You can read. It's all on there. Just set it up. You know, when you go on vacation, it, you know you're putting God first. You can see all the different ways that God provides. I want to show you a video real quick as you guys are thinking about this. Some of you can decide today. Some of you may want to go home, pray about this, decide, and, and do this next week as you begin March. But here's a video of a couple in our church that took the 90-day tithe challenge a little while back and what God did. Watch this. Well, Doug spoke on it last year. And... Uh just his sermon and the uh, testimonies from others really challenged us and we felt like we should uh, take that challenge ourselves. Well, we had always uh, given a tithe, but we always did that on the net instead of the gross. And so, uh, you know, it was a, a increase in the money that we would be giving each, each month and we have a tight budget and so it was you know it was a challenge for us to say could we could we go ahead and give that extra amount soon after we took the 90-day challenge um, we started seeing things happening in our life Melinda's had worked part-time uh, for 18 years and, and her hours were increased so she's working full-time and got a, a better salary plus it helped out on her future retirement and those sorts of things and uh, so that was exciting for us um, I have a little consulting business a forestry consulting business and uh, we had a very good year last year and uh, so it was it was fun for us to see how God would bless us I really encourage people to, to take that step it's fun to see God working and it's exciting in so many ways. Mm -hmm.